Welcome to the Battery Testing Mentor. My name is Johannes and here I discuss all topics around battery testing and battery safety. Short, on the point and with practical advice. Also visit www.batterytestingmentor.com and sign up for the email update. With every episode I send the summary of this episode straight into your inbox. Also, if you have any feedback, question, advice, just hit reply on that email and you directly reach me. Today, we have the third part of the interview with Benjamin. This time we talk about battery pack testing. So basically the complete opposite of the second part. And as this interview or this part got pretty long, I don't want to make any more words, but go straight into the interview. So if we go now to the other end of the spectrum of battery testing, there you have a lot of experience in battery pack testing as well. Let's start very generally, maybe with a question, what is important to observe there? Yes, the subject is wide ranging. I would say the most important thing is quality and safety. Well, seriously, first, it should be safe, and then the battery should meet the quality requirements. So that the battery then runs for a long time. And that's where we Germans are, unfortunately, or you can also say thankfully, acting in a way that we over-engineer everything. One more safety system and on top another redundant safety system is then installed. If you look to the east, to the market there, you see batteries on the road where you think to yourself, oh God, have they even thought about what could happen there? But that doesn't matter there. So this all needs to be validated, right? If you do an, the engineering, if you develop a system, if you put it in, you also need to validate it. You need to make sure that it works like intended, right? Like only a system helps you if it works like intended. Now, would you say that this engineering, this over-engineering leads to yeah, more cost because you need to test much more than if you say you have a basic system and because you then spend less money for the engineering, but also less money because you don't need to validate what is not engineered in there. Yes, of course, that's definitely the case. The more complex a system is, the more you must test it. The more complex it is, the more vulnerable it is. These interdependencies between the components, right? Yes, exactly. Many things you only find out during validation. Very crazy findings can come out of it. For example, we once tested a battery and it from time to time kept switching off. And we didn't know why. Then, a colleague sat down and examined it with an oscilloscope and measured everything. And he found out that there was electromagnetic interference at one point. An EMC filter had to be inserted at this point. And that solved the problem. Interestingly, the successor model with exactly the same architecture, 
of course, there were small changes implemented, but at the point where the problem occurred, the architecture was identical, there was no longer this EMC problem. Until today it is not clear where the problem came from. Yeah, I once talked to an EMC expert, and what he told me, it's really like a different dimension. It's it's really magic, you can call it. Yes, right. But the people who can do that are impressive. They always sit in these huge chambers with these sound dampening panels and do their research there. This is also used a lot for military applications. I was once visiting a supplier who showed me his laboratory and he said, if you have an EMC problem, you are welcome to come here. We can fit a whole tank into this EMC chamber. Yeah, these are really different dimensions, really in, in the sense of the word. Now, if you look to the beginning of the, let's say, the beginning of the pack testing, I know it's not the beginning of the testing, but if you look at the beginning of the pack testing, you validate a lot of the development. Like, what, what I imagine, you you develop something in your uh, desk and then run in the lab and check if this development step is right, and then you go back and, yeah, go back and forth. And on the other hand, you want to then finally, at the end, validate that really all the requirements are met. And we, we had this example that you gave from the car that is swimming on the street. How would you estimate the effort between this initial development testing and then the, the testing of the battery pack um, to the, the certification requirements, to the final requirements, where you really need to validate that everything is right. How would you estimate here the, the effort between these two areas? Well, in theory it should actually be like this, at least from my experience, that along the development chain every sub-step, every development step, every component must already meet the requirements. And ideally, the final validation would only have been pro forma. So the cells were tested, the cell blocks were tested and met the requirements, the entire electronics were tested and met the requirements, all the individual components were tested. And yet it sometimes turned out that the finished product, after the individual parts had been assembled, behaved differently than expected. So if you look at it that way, then theoretically the final validation should be the lesser effort, theoretically. If everything works exactly as it should, and then afterwards, during the series assurance, not everyone does this, but it should be done, you regularly pull products out of the production process and test them. And then you check whether these products still meet the requirements or whether something suddenly goes wrong in production and the battery is scrap, and the entire production is scrap. This part is actually the easiest. But you have to be careful. Because if the test shows that the battery has failed, this can have considerable consequences. Because if you say A, 
then you have to say B. Then you really have to block the entire batch, i.e. the production since the last test and then also after the production of the test sample, i.e. according to the motto, I look ahead and I look behind, has to be blocked, has to be investigated and then also has to be recalled. Yeah, really, like, uh, if you know it, you cannot just say, oh, I haven't seen it, <laughs> It's it doesn't exist. Yes, exactly. That's why if you don't do it, then the problem is solved. Yeah, you, you said before, basically you used to test the single part, everything works, and then you put it together and suddenly it doesn't work anymore. Wait, it's not quite that bad either. That would be quite disappointing. Yeah, maybe I exaggerated a little bit, a tiny little bit. <laughs> um, but like what is your feeling what what is the reason for for this that basically suddenly something new comes up and it doesn't work is it that the the tests on the component have been decided wrong or is it the, the complexity of the system that's just so difficult to to assess that this naturally happens what is your feeling there what would you say of course this may be the case but it must also be said that manufacturers learn from one battery model to the next. That they overlook something in the first development and then they add it in the next development. With every development you always have your lessons learned. Sure, but in the end you can't blame everything on complexity. You always have to think about things in advance. Yeah. Yeah, that is one, then one reason why it's so complex, so, so much effort to define all the tests. <laughs> yeah, I remember, we have already talked about this once. For the person offering the tests, it is easier if he has a customer who knows what he wants, and more difficult if the customer simply throws the battery at his feet and says, test this for me, give me a good result, give me the certificate. Yeah, or he doesn't know what he wants to find out. Yes, exactly. Yeah, when the customer comes and says, do the test, and he doesn't really know what he wants to find out, what he wants to get the results for, and then in the end nobody is uh, happy or everybody is disappointed because the customer cannot use the result and the lab says, oh, if you would have told me, I could have adjusted everything and you would be happy. And he is complaining that it was too expensive in the end. Yeah, um, <coughs> yeah that's it, <laughs> really. Um, but going back to the um, production validation, what is covered there? Are these then mainly environmental tests? For product validation, yes. For series validation, that would be. Maybe let's step back a moment and, and define once again what is product validation and what is series validation. Yeah. Product validation would be, 
I can only speak now from the perspective of my experience, the company where I worked, that can differ from company to company, from OEM to OEM. For us, product validation really meant, the product that was designed by research and development is released. So according to the requirements originally defined at the very beginning, it works. And it also works in the countries where it is to be sold. After all, you have to protect yourself as an OEM and minimize the risk, especially for the market where you want to launch it. The legal basis can also change and suddenly the country says, but that's not possible the way you did it, what you've done here, you still need this one or the other test. That is the product validation. And the series validation or also the startup validation of the series plant is that you pull products out of production at a certain interval and then do tests. At that time, we had distinguished between two different types of tests, a light test, where we just looked to see if the production line was still working properly. The battery was only subjected to less than 1% of its life cycle in the test, so that we were able to put it on the market afterwards, with appropriate labeling, of course, so we then sold the batteries after the test in vehicles. And then there was the more severe test, where we recreated everything, mechanics, heat, cold, does the electrical system work, and so on. And after all the tests the battery was opened up and examined. Because electrical tests are all well and good, but as long as you don't know what's going on inside, the measurement data is of no use to you. Your electrical result can look very nice, and then when you open the battery and all you find inside is a pile of something. So I decided to cut this interview one more time because it would have gotten far too long. Next week we continue, still about pack testing. This week, just to wrap it up, we talked about battery pack testing, about how this engineering, over-engineering maybe, uh, contributes to more testing effort. The more you engineer into the battery, the more you want to achieve with the battery, the more you need to test and validate. We talked about the different types of testing, of um, development validation testing, of um, life cycle validation and the production or series validation testing. And in the end, we also talked about the complexity of battery systems and how this complexity adds also to the complexity of testing, but it's not the sole reason for complexity of testing. With that, if you have any questions, please reach out to me. I can also forward your questions to Benjamin and I'm looking forward to seeing, to hearing you next week here at the Battery Testing Mentor Podcast. Mm -hmm.